so dramatic. And then I blow it. Man. Oh, all that work up. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome. Good morning. Glad you guys are here. It's good to see you. Um, if I haven't met you, um, my name is Bob. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, if I didn't get a chance or maybe I just waved at you as you came in, especially if you're newer here, um, take some time. Hang out after service. Maybe come downstairs and look around the facility, walk the grounds. Um, but we'll be here. I want to connect with you. It's so important that we get to know each other. And uh, as I tell everybody, and it's not just a phrase, it's total honesty, I need to meet you and then meet you probably six more times, complete with name and everything, um, before it'll finally sink in. That's just how my brain works or doesn't work, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but it's important to us. I mean, the, the word community in our name it means something. It, it's what God put on our hearts when we started this church, and we just want to be a community and a family. I don't want, I never wanted to be big giant church where you can go in and be anonymous. So this, unfortunately, is not the church for you if anonymity is, is high on your list. Um, but we're just so thankful for what God has provided here. So um, welcome, a special welcome to the visitors, even if it's your first, second, or third time. You still qualify as visitors. I see some friends I haven't seen in a while. Um, love to see you guys here. So, so welcome. Um, we are in just a tiny little short series, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and it's just something um, that God put on my heart to just, let's just spend the first few weeks in our new building just praising God for his provision, for just how amazing he has been in orchestrating this for us, um, how we can always trust in his provision, how just God is good. Does anybody out there have a problem thinking God's good? This is the problem some people do. It's hard to understand that God is always good, especially when things don't look like we think they ought to look. You know, we've got, we've got friends where a loved one was taken just, in our minds, it's always too soon when you lose a loved one. In our minds, it's never quite what you hope for when you're praying for provision and something comes your way. But this message is all about being able to praise God and be thankful for his provision. I say even if, but especially if, it doesn't always line up with what we think it might look like. So next week, for those of you who are anxious to get back to the Gospel of Mark, we're going to be in Mark next weekend. We're going to jump back in where we left off um, and back to some more um, real thorough teaching on that. But this series, again, Great is Thy Faithfulness, we're basing it on Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. We've got that up there. It says, The Lord's acts of mercy indeed do not end, for His compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And if you remember the context, I won't go over it again, but Jeremiah is, is praising God and saying how faithful he is while he's watching Jerusalem burn right in front of him. And even in the midst of that, he's able to praise God. Um, so we talk about that faithfulness and how God will answer our prayers, but it's just as important as our response when we receive that answer because not always, spoiler alert, your prayers aren't always answered the way that you think they might be answered. Quite often they look very different. And how we respond to that then is either something that is going to glorify God or it's something 
that's going to give the enemy some ammunition. And what he'll use that ammunition for is to poke at you and say, God's not as good as he's made out to be. Maybe you've done something wrong. Maybe you're praying wrong. Maybe you're outside of his will or outside of his blessing. And maybe all those promises about a good God answering your prayers, maybe they're just not for you. Maybe they're not 100% accurate. That's what the enemy wants to sow into your heart. And it seems to be even more so when your answers to prayer don't always look like you thought they'd look. That's what we want to talk about today specifically is just God's provision. God's provision. You're sitting in God's provision. The result of us just praying and seeking God's heart for for months and months and months. And I'll go into that a little bit more. But Scripture tells us that we should pray and we should pray for God's provision. We should pray for what we want, right? We are promised in that. Again, this is from last week, but I'll read it again. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Right? That's pretty straightforward. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now here's verse 15. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So it's a little bulky, but basically what that says is we know that if we pray, he hears us, and we know that if he hears us, we'll get what we ask. That seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Is that how it works? So believing fully in the promises of God, and that's a promise, I take great comfort, and I took great comfort. As we were looking at the buildup to finding a new home, I took great comfort in knowing that he hears my prayers and he will provide what I ask. Again, pretty straightforward, right? So what I was praying for is God, bring us a home. At first I was praying for God, bring us a big giant check so that we can buy the building that we're in. That was my prayer at first. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe just a little check to allow us to But then you know what I did as I started praying in God's will. And I started praying, God, what do you have for us? Because that's what I want. Whatever you have for us, whatever you think is best for our little church, whatever you have for us, that's what I want. So let me switch my prayers from, God, I want that building that we used to be in. I want to find a way to buy that. To God, I want what you have for me. Because whatever you have for me and whatever you have for our church, that's what I want with all my heart. So again, you see the scripture that says, whatever you ask, you will get from him. So, so I started thinking about that. I started thinking a little bit more about that and praying about that. And that phrase just kept jumping out to me that says, if we ask anything according to his will. This is why not all of us are driving Ferraris today. In his will. I know it took a second to think about it, right? Because not everybody can handle that. Not everybody needs that. Not everybody should have. Let me put it that way. Not everybody should have a Ferrari. Anybody here have little kids? Okay. Your little kid comes to you and says, I want a BB gun. Okay? 
Half of you are going, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. And the other half, and the other half are saying, no, 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 no. So God, being, being a good father, he knows. You give somebody a BB gun and they're not ready for it, it's going to be a problem. So he knows in his will and in his timing, he knows what's best for us. So if we pray, God, I want, I want, I pray with all my heart that we need provision for this church. We need a new home for our church. And in my mind, I'm thinking I want, I want the old Rocky Mountain Harley building right next to us. It was $8 million. I'm like, God, you can do anything. $8 million, that's nothing for you. And then I think I want the building we're in, which is less than half of that. Okay, or about half of that. And God's like, I have something better for you. So we have to think about more what's in his will. But then again, going back to the promise, a new home for Discover, for our, for our church, has to be in his will, right? I can't imagine why it would not be in his will to have a home for us. Even the Israelites wandering the desert had a home eventually, so, again, I take great comfort, especially when things don't pan out in the process the way that I thought they might. This is where we have to really press into the word and the promises of God because on our knees in prayer, Pastor Gabe and myself and our elders and our staff and our prayer team Everybody just praying, 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 and crying out to God for provision for a new home. This is where we are, and then. Now, I'm going to get into a little bit. I'm going to get away from Scripture a little bit and kind of give you a rundown of how things moved to get us here. I gave you a little bit last week, but let's fast forward now. We are praying for provision. Our lease is winding down. The current landlords at the other building are giving us the nudge just about on a daily basis uh, to find a new home. And then on March 30th, March 30th of this year, I get a, air quotes, random email. And that random email is from a bivocational pastor realtor who tells me about this cute little chapel that's just coming on the market, hasn't even been listed yet. And he wanted to know if I'd be interested in it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit immediately prompted me, don't wait. Now, when that email came through, I was driving down the road, okay? Now, I never, except for this time, one time, looked at my phone <laughs> as I was driving. All right, Lord, I apologize. We are in church. This is a bad habit of mine. I look at my phone a lot while I drive, and Pastor Gabe is constantly saying, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. But I haven't crashed yet, so I must, I must be the one that... You guys can't handle it, but I can handle it. <coughs> no. Here's the thing, though. I am immediately prompted, do not wait. And my emails, if you've ever sent me an email... You're probably acutely aware of this. It might take a couple days for me to get back to your email because I get a lot of emails. But I got this one. I just saw the headline of it in the first couple lines, and I thought, I'll get back to that at some point because right in the middle of looking at all these other properties, I'm getting a lot of emails like that. But the Holy Spirit said, no, 
you need to stop and you need to handle this one right now. So I pulled over, I did, and I looked at it, and I looked at it, and, and I immediately responded, and I said, yes, we're interested in checking out this building, okay? So put the phone down now, drive away. I'm driving back down the road, and my very next prayer, my very next prayer is, is Lord, I feel like you've provided a place. This feels different than the other places that we've been looking at. I feel like you've provided it. Now I need the means. Now I need the means to do it. Because, and just a quick recap for last week, we're only four years old as a church. So in the scheme of things, um, according to a bank, four years is not really enough time to have a track record where they're going to loan you quite a chunk of money. So we were in a place where all we had was what's in our bank account, and it was, our bank account has been like manna from heaven. It's been enough to get us through the week or the month, but not giant reserves. Um, So I'm praying, God, I feel like that's the place you need to provide the means, because a conventional loan is just really not in the picture. The next email I get within minutes, again, pull safely to the side of the road, and I'm looking at my phone, and it's the brochure. He sent me the the draft of the brochure, and the brochure has a cover letter on it, and the cover letter says the owner of the property is willing to carry the loan for you. Okay, Lord, here we go. God, this has to be you. He showed me the place. I immediately felt in my spirit this was right. I prayed for provision for for the means to do it. The very next email was a letter saying that the owner is willing to carry. I don't know if you know this, but that is unheard of. But they're willing to do it. Okay, fast forward now, just only two days. Two days later, it's April 1st, okay? No jokes about April Fool's Day. It's April 1st. We walk through this building with our staff and our elders and some key volunteers. We walk through this building. I feel immediately, walking in the front door, I just immediately feel overwhelmingly in the spirit that this is home. I get words of confirmation from, from different people on our, on our staff and volunteers, words of confirmation. But here, to me, is one of the most miraculous things is Pastor Gabe. On the way here, we're driving together, and I'm trying to sell her it just based on the, the brochure that I've read, you know, and I've, I've actually done about a dozen weddings or so here prior to, um, and I'm showing it to her, and she's a little skeptical, like, I don't know about this, it's a little on the small side, I don't know how it's going to work. The minute she walked in the door, again, just an overwhelming sense of peace, an overwhelming sense that this is home. This is, this is home. There's still going to be hurdles, but God's made a way. God's brought us here. This is going to be home. So we go home. And with, with visions of our new home, just a heart overflowing with thankfulness, I drift off to sleep, right? And my, my prayer as I drift off to sleep, it's the perfect prayer. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Anybody know this one? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm praying this. 
I'm praying this as I go to sleep. And I'm like, Lord, I am so thankful, so thankful. And right before that last flickering thought, before you actually fall asleep, then I shift into this new prayer. And I'm talking to God, so it qualifies as a prayer, even though it doesn't start with our Father. And and I'm saying, Lord, is it going to be big enough for us? How is it going to work? How are we going to fit our old building was 12,000 square feet. This one's a little bit less than half of that. And I immediately switch to, God, is that going to be enough? What do you think I heard? Anybody have any idea of the response that I got from God? I bet you, a lot of you can guess. You asked me for provision. I provided. And now you're asking me if it's enough. Ouch. Does that hurt anybody else as much as it hurt me at the time? It's a good thing God's faithfulness is not dependent on my level of, of uh, faith. I call, call it faith, but it's more like decorum, like asking the right question at the right time. But it's a good thing God's faithfulness is not dependent on that. I felt in that moment, I felt a little bit like the Israelites wandering the desert in the Exodus after being delivered from Egypt. If you know that story... You know what I'm talking about. If you don't, though, the, the, the nation of Israel being delivered through a series of just miraculous things that have happened to get them delivered from captivity, slavery in Israel, they are crying out for it. And, and no, no more than a month and a half, okay? Biblical timelines are difficult, but it's no more than a month and a half since their freedom from captivity, watching all these miracles, Exodus 16.2 it says, but the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. It took them less than a month and a half to get, <laughs> to get grumbling, to start grumbling about their current state in life. Remember, they're traveling through the desert and they're setting up camps. But here's what they say, Exodus 16.3. The sons of Israel said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat... When we ate bread until we were full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this entire assembly with hunger. Anybody heard something similar to that in church? My plan is not to kill all of you with (laughs) hunger or anything. That's not God's plan. But it didn't take long for them to start grumbling. Now think about this. Just not long before, I said a month and a half maybe... Here was their prayers a month and a half before, Exodus 2, 23 through 25. Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel groaned because of bondage. They're groaning because they're in bondage when they are still in slavery. And they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage ascended to God. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. That's all very, isn't that awesome? God heard their grumbling, heard their cries. They're crying out to him, God, deliver us from this. And then less than a month and a half later, they're grumbling. I wish we'd have died back then when we had at least full bellies. By the way, if you don't know about that covenant, read Genesis 12 one through three, it talks about the promise and the covenant that that God made with Abram. (coughs) I won't go into that right now. 
But the point of this is how quickly we forget, how quickly we forget how God answers our prayers, how quickly we forget the bondage he has delivered us from. If anybody here has been through a deliverance session and been set free from the bondage that Satan causes in your life, if you've ever prayed and cried out for provision, miraculous provision for health or for finances or for grades on a test the following day or promotion at work and you get it, do we not just say, okay, now I'm going to move on? Do we, sp- do we spend much time really praying and thanking him for his provision in that? Or do we just move on? And then if that's the case, then how quickly do we forget what we were delivered from and start then like, oh, this isn't everything I'd hoped it was going to be. All right, let's get back to the timeline here. In the week following our first walkthrough, our very first walkthrough, I learned something really interesting. It's only because you still, even though the owner's carrying it, we still have to put some down, some money down. I learned that it's only, again, air quotes, going to be $100,000. Okay. Not a Mount Everest-sized mountain, but still a mountain. It's still... It's still a chunk of money, especially for us. Our bank account has never had that many zeros in it, ever. Um, What does Scripture say about moving mountains, though? Does anybody know? Let me remind you, Matthew 17, 2021 says, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Okay. This isn't a big mountain. This is a little mountain. Somewhere in between a mustard seed and Everest. But we're praying nothing's going to be impossible, okay? So I know this. Again, peace in my heart. I know this. Thursday, April 7th, not long after, I call the landlords of the, of the other building to confirm that they will let us out of our lease. Because even though for the previous year and a half they had been pushing and nudging and saying, hey, anytime you want to get out, we're fine with that, there's still that, okay, now that this is happening, I need you to say yes, and I need it in writing so that, so that yes, we know it's happening. So after all this, emails like daily, I kid you not, daily emails like, here's a property you may be interested in, trying to nudge us out the door, and they're good guys. I don't want to... I don't want to paint them as the villain because they're not, but they're, they're investors, and they wanted to, to be able to turn the building. So their response after my direct question was an absolute definite maybe. <laughs> All right, so Lord, you provided a home. You provided miraculous means that are just not, that's just not the way the world works. You're providing all this. Everything is all lining up. And now it may come down to they go, well, maybe we don't want you to move out. Maybe we'd rather just have the rent for another year and a half. All right. We continue praying for God's favor. Continue, continue. Now, Friday, April 15th, Good Friday. Tax day, but I prefer to call it Good Friday. (laughs) I get their decision. And here's their decision. We will let you out, and we will also buy you out of the remainder of your lease for $50,000. Thank you, Jesus. We're halfway home. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. 
Okay, so, but here's what they say. You have to commit to us in writing that you're going to vacate by June 30th. Okay, more prayer. Lord, is this, is this what you have for us? Am I, am I doing this right? Because if I sign this paper and I get that check, we're out on the street unless something happens. God, is this, is this wise? Are we doing this? Now, talking to our, to our elders, talking to our staff, praying to God, we get the confirmation, yes, you should. But that always begs the question, why can't it just be easy? If God's going to provide, why, doesn't, why didn't I call up the landlords and they go, yes, absolutely, we will let you out. And not only that, but we'll give you a check for $50,000. And you know what? Whenever you want to move out is fine. Why can't it work like that? God's providing, but not in the way that I thought it might. It just wasn't quite as easy as I thought it might be. See last week's message if you want more on that idea. So, five days later, Wednesday, April 30th, uh, April 20th, we have our informational meeting. If you remember that, some of you were there, where we talk about what's going on. Um, we talk about the, the building. We talk about God's provision and everything that's happening, and we schedule a field trip. Or if some of you came on that field trip. That was Sunday, April 25th. We have a field trip. That's after baptisms. It was after just a, such a great service over there. And we came over here and we walked through the building. And I'm getting so much confirmation. And I'm getting just great words of prophecy from people. And, and it's, just, it's just amazing. So we scheduled the very next day. It was already scheduled. The very next day on Monday, uh, the 25th, or the 26th, that is, we have our business meeting. And our business meeting was required, if you remember, by our bylaws. Anytime we purchase property, the body has to approve it. So we have our business meeting. We talk about it, some question and answer back and forth, and it passes just overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly. Everybody's just, yes, God is in this. Let's do it. Now, the very same day, and I didn't know it because I was busy preparing for a business meeting, I checked my email later that night. Sitting in my email box, this is one of those things where you could look at it and just go, eh, it's just, it's just chance. Or you could look at it and say, God's doing this. In my email box is an email from Dakota Ridge High School, right across the street, Dakota Ridge High School. And it says, hey, since you're a new neighbor in town, since you're our neighbor, uh, maybe you want to advertise in our football program. You know, like, that happens all the time, right? We're right across the street. Maybe you want to advertise in our football program. It's only going to be this tiny amount of money. And my first thought is, nobody knows that this is even in the works. How does this happen? So my heart immediately, I'm like, God, this has to be you. Gabe calls him God winks. Just this little, like, God saying, like, hey, Get ready. This is, this is your home. This is going to be your home. But I wish I could say I was 100% full of faith. But here's what I did. I told Pastor Gabe next day, call them. Talk to them because it's a good idea. But before you even talk to them, ask them, how do you know we even exist? How do you know? Because we hadn't closed on this. We hadn't signed a contract on this. We hadn't done anything to where anybody at that high school should have any idea that we're going to be new neighbors. 
And what did they say? They just said, ah, we just thought, you know, you're in the neighborhood. We'll send you, we'll send you the email. Never in the 15 years we were at the other building did we ever get an email from Dakota Ridge High School. So, again, just another God thing. Okay. The next day, I wake up the following morning. Now, I know so this, lot of, this isn't scripture, but I want you to know this story here. The next day, I wake up in the morning. Okay, we've got the approval from the body, from you. Um, we've got everything in order to proceed with this. Here's what I need to do, and we need to do a, a building fund campaign. We need to put it out to the body and say, hey, we need, we need you to pray about donating to this so that we can make up for the other 50000 that we needed, uh, and then some for moving expenses and this and that. So I go into our website, and I add the little drop-down. If you've ever been in our website, it's got little drop-down boxes that you can go in and pick. I want to give to the building fund or the missions fund or the uh, deliverance ministry, um, uh, the general fund, just things like that. And so I added a drop-down box that morning for the building fund. Okay, that's done. still early. I'm going to go out in the garage and putter around a little bit for a while before I actually go into, into church. I'm in the garage not more, than, not more than 15, 30 minutes, maybe max, from after adding that drop box that I get a phone call. Again, don't normally answer phone calls that I don't recognize. I let it go to voicemail, and then I'll answer it because I get a lot of spam calls like I'm sure you do too. I answer this one, and it's, I call him a friend. He is, I don't know him, but he's a man who, who has it on his heart to support us financially from time to time. Um, I know of him when we were with our parent church, I think about 10 years ago, he came to our church a couple times, so I kind of am familiar with who he is, Um, but I don't know him well, but man, he listens to God, and God told him that very morning, it's time for you to give a donation to Discover. He doesn't go here. It's time for you to do that. So he calls me and says, hey, I was just on your giving site. God had told me that it was time for me to give something to your church, and I saw this building fund, and I thought, is that where you need it, or is there a better place for me? And I go, no, building fund is, <laughs> building fund is perfect, yes. But again, God's, I'm faithful in doing what I hear from him. I put that fund in that we're going to ask the congregation to, to pray about it and give what God has on their hearts. And no sooner than I do that, than I get a phone call. And it was a sizable donation. Again, from, from a gentleman who touched base with us maybe twice a year, maybe. Um, God's in this. God's in it. Again, I'm so, I'm so thankful that God hears my prayers for provision, and he's making a way, and he's touching other people's hearts then to make a way. Now... One week later, the body, everybody, you are being so faithful, and, and our building fund is starting to grow. And it's growing. It's growing slowly, but it's growing. And I'm so thankful for that. One week later, I'm on the phone with a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, who we're talking through what's going on here, and he pledges another $50,000 to us. She says, I want, I want to give that to you. I can't say who it is. Um, some of you may know, but I can't, 
I can't do that because I don't have the okay to say that yet. But here's what he says. I want to give to that. I feel like the Lord's putting it on my heart, but I can't do it for a month or two. I can't do it right now. Okay, so I have a pledge for some, but it's not there. I know the body is going to, is going to come through and God's putting it on your hearts, but it's not quite there yet. However, even with God's people being faithful, even with God being faithful, and I know it's going to happen, there's a part of my brain that is watching this looming deadline for earnest money coming. And it's on the way. And it's May 13th. And May 13th is coming. The lease buyout check for our, from our landlords hasn't made it to our account yet. So I'm calling them, and they're like, huh, that's funny. Let's check into it. I'm not sure why it's there. A couple days go by. Still not sure why it's there. Let me look into it. Okay, so I have pledges to cover everything, but nothing's there yet. Nothing's quite there yet. But I know God's, I know God's good. I know this is not an insurmountable thing. In fact, it's not even a thing for him. It's going to happen. Now, very shortly before our deadline for the earnest money, Another good friend comes and says, the Lord put it on my heart to sell my business. And I sold my business. And guess what? Now I have more money than I ever thought sitting in my bank account, just waiting. And if you need it on that deadline day, I will loan it to you so that you can make the earnest money deadline. And then you just pay it back whenever. At first, his thought was, I just want to give it to you. But then it's like, pump the brakes. There'll be time for that later. Right now, the loan, the loan is just perfect. So May 13th comes, and the check from my, from my other friend who had pledged, that wasn't available yet. The check from the landlords wasn't there yet. It's time to walk to the bank and plop down earnest money of $50,000, but guess what? God had already made a way. God had already made a way, and so it was just a matter of calling my friend and saying, hey, can you, can you do that? He meets me there, and, and, and we're good to go. You know what the biggest miracle of all this so far that I've told you is, though? is an overwhelming sense of peace in my heart. Overwhelming, and when I say overwhelming, I mean it's overwhelming. I am, uh, as, as lead pastor here, I'm responsible for a lot of things. I get to preach, sure, but I also have to do a lot of day-to-day, making sure the bills line up and things like that, making sure that we've got a home. Um, that's a weight sometimes that gets to me, and I take a lot of that to heart. Like, how am I going to make this happen? And then I have to step back and go, okay, it's not me. God's going to make this happen. But I had to tell myself a hundred times through this process, more than that, that God's got this. And in that moment, in that moment where everything's coming together and, and even through this whole process, I have just had an overwhelming sense of peace. It was almost to the point, and I've said this before, where I'm like, God, show me a mountain. Show me an obstacle because I want to see what you're going to do. I had actually gotten to the point in my heart where I'm like, an obstacle come up, what about this, what about that, we need you to sign this, and this didn't get done right, and the inspection, and this and that. I'm like, God, this is awesome. I just want to see what you're going to do here. 
Not that I was praying for an obstacle. But when the obstacles came, I'm just, God, this is going to be cool. What are you going to do here? Here's the thing, though, and this is kind of how I want to wrap this up. That kind of peace is only possible through Jesus. Because I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how good a job you have and how good your income is. I don't care the kind of people you surround yourself with. If it's up to you to figure out how all these pieces are going to go together in your life, I'm not talking about just buying a building, in your life, we all have a thousand moving parts in our lives. And if we're just saying it's up to me to figure out how to make all this work, you are not going to have that kind of peace. You just can't. Philippians, Paul said this in his letter to the Philippians, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It's very common scripture. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, easier said than done, right? But in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Beyond comprehension, in my mind, is is the important part of that scripture. Because if we're getting ready to buy this building... And I'm like, well, I don't know how the finances are going to work out, but I do know that I have Bill Gates on speed dial. Is that really the peace of God beyond all comprehension? I might have peace, but I would know where my peace is coming from is that I know how it's going to work. Peace beyond comprehension is only possible when you are beyond what you can figure out. It is only possible when you're like, God, if you don't come through, this isn't happening. And I've prayed that very prayer a thousand times in the past year. God, if you're not in this, it's not happening. And it has happened. And I have this peace, again, beyond comprehension, because I know it's up to him. It's not up to me. My biggest job is going to him, seeking him, hearing his voice, which is easier said than done sometimes, too, and then being faithful to what you hear. In our flesh, that's oftentimes the hardest thing because you'll hear something and go, "Eh, I don't know, there's no way that that's going to work. So we look for an alternative rather than to just be faithful to what God puts on our heart. We all struggle with different things. Sometimes it's just even praying to begin with. Some of us are doers and you want to like figure it out first and only as a last resort will you try to pray to God. Some of us, that's our biggest hurdle. And if you struggle with finding peace when you pray for God's provision, I want to share with you a quote. First of all, let me ask, does anybody find it difficult to have peace when you're praying for provision before it has happened? Okay, not once it's there. We're all peaceful once that provision has happened. When you're praying for it and it hasn't happened yet. Anybody struggle with that? There's a Bible scholar, theologian. He actually has a, a, a commentary that I really love to refer to. His name's Alexander McLaren. But I want to read a quote to you. <clears throat> He's talking about peace when you pray for provision. And he says this, The great reason why life is troubled and restless lies not without but within. 
It's not our changing circumstances, but our unregulated desires that rob us of peace. We are feverish, not because of the external temperature, but because of the state of our own blood. The very emotion of desire disturbs us. Wishes make us unquiet. And when a whole heart full of varying, sometimes contradictory longings is boiling within a man, how can he but tremble and quiver? One desire unfulfilled is enough to banish tranquility, but how can it survive a dozen dragging different ways? A deep lesson lies in that word distraction, which has come to be so closely attached to desires. The lesson that all eager longing tears the heart asunder. Unbridled and varying wishes, then, are the worst enemies of our repose. Okay, so that's 19th century language. But what it means, as in the earlier scripture, when you pray according to God's will, when you pray according to God's will, we have confidence that he's going to answer those prayers. And then we can have the peace that surpasses all understanding because we don't have to know how it's going to be fulfilled, only that it's going to be. If we spend our days pursuing this and that and a bigger house and a nicer car and this and that, and our desires are so all over the board that we can't even pray for one specific thing, we just know we want what we don't have, how can you possibly have peace? The point is, seek God's heart. Seek his heart for what he wants for you and then pray for that thing then you can have the peace that surpasses all understanding. The way to avoid this trap then, I've got pastors love bullet points. I got four bullet points for you. How we can avoid this trap. Okay, number one, don't chase after the things of the world. Don't chase after those things. Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, let God show you what's right for you. Let him show you what you need, and then pray for those things. Number two, trust that God's plan is better than yours. Anybody struggle with that? I have a plan. Let me try it. Uh, That didn't work out. What if we just trusted in God's plan from the beginning? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. What if we just woke up in the morning and said, okay, I know that, I take that to heart, I believe that, that's for me. God, what do you want for me? And then we follow that path. Number three, praise the provider of everything that is good. Everything that is good. James 1.17, for every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. He is always the same and he is always good. The problem is when our desires don't line up 100% with his provision. We need to align our desires. We need to align what we want with what he wants to give us. Number four, the last one here, See opportunities for growing your faith in every storm. I've had a lot of opportunities for growing my faith through this process. 
But here we are. And I can say that my faith in God's provision is at a higher place than it has ever been in my life. Literally ever in my life. James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. Anybody find that easy? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I would not begin to say I'm lacking in nothing, but I will say this, that I have considered it joy when I face trials, and not because I'm like, oh, good, another thing I get to try and navigate through. I'm like, God, I get to follow you. And I get to follow your leading. And every time he follows that, he shows you that path and you follow it, it increases my faith. And that is a great place to live. So finally, just the last thing before we get back into worship and communion, I just want to share this with you. Our response to answered prayer, okay, no matter whether it looks like our plan or not, what we had hoped for or not, no matter what it is, our response to answered prayer. And, and which prayers does God answer? All of them. If we pray, he hears our prayers. If he hears our prayers, he answers our prayers. We don't have to have that question. God, are you answering my prayer? He is answering your prayer. But whether it looks like you had thought it might or not, this needs to be our response. Psalm 69.30. I think we have it up there. And I'm going to have them leave that up there while we take communion. I will praise the name of God with song and exalt him with thanksgiving. Can you do that? No matter what the answer looks like, you can if you trust him. So let's pray. Father God, help us to trust you. Help us to set aside those things that distract us, those things, those desires of our heart that pull us every which way, and help us renew our mind, focus our mind on what you want for us. Lord, I repent of those times where I've spent so much time chasing things that I want without ever once asking you what you want for me. So Father, help me. Help me to focus my mind my heart, my eyes on what you have for me. Help me desire those things with all of my heart. And Lord, no matter how it looks, help me to trust you. I struggle with that in my flesh, Lord. Help me to trust you. Help me to praise you in every storm. Help me, help me to exalt you with a thankful heart over your provision every day. Father, I love you, I trust you, and I do praise you with all of my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, folks, we're going to take communion together now. We do this every week. If you're new here, we take communion every single week. And you don't have to be a member of the church. There's no class. There's nothing that you have to do. What you do have to do is you have to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior, number one. That's the requirement for taking communion. But when we do that, when we take communion, we are taking the symbolic body and blood of Christ. If you're out there online, wherever you are, grab some elements right now. Don't say, I'll do this later. Let's do it now. And what we're doing when we take communion is we are saying yes to the sacrifice, his broken body on the cross. 
and everything that he taught and everything that he died to give you, the freedoms that he died to give you, the freedom from bondage, the cup of the new covenant, those things. Every time we take communion together, we are saying, yes, I know what they stand for. I know what they mean. And I'm saying yes to that. That's what communion is. I don't want anybody to ever just take it by rote. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I see a line, so I'm going to get in it. That should never be communion. It should be an outflow of your heart. You should be sitting there right now saying, I want to say yes to what Jesus has for me. And when we take communion together, we are celebrating and saying yes for that. So here's how we do it. We will have two stations here and there. And both of these stations up front now have wine and bread and gluten-free crackers. And what we do is we just dip in the wine. What we'll do is we'll come out to the middle and we can come this way. We're still trying to figure out a good flow here, but then go back to your seats that way. Um, Over here at this table, we do have, for those who don't want wine or you'd rather serve yourself, we have juice and then bread and crackers over there. And you can serve yourself over there if you'd like. But again, let's do it as we worship, and the worship team can come on up now. Um, Let's just do it with thankful hearts. God's provision. He hears our prayers. If you take nothing away, if we pray, he hears our prayers. If he hears our prayers, he will give us the desires of our heart. To me, that is peace beyond all comprehension. Amen? Thank you, guys.